This is Van Color. Welcome back to This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and our featured guest today is the funniest man out of Ladner, British Columbia. He is known for his multi-layered observational comedy with a fixation on food. His debut comedy album, I Wanted to Be a Dinosaur, won the Juno Award for Best Comedy Album, and he just recorded another one for release later this year. He has a Netflix special as part of the series Comedians of the World. You've seen him on Conan. I've been a fan of this guy for 15 years, if you can believe that. He is Ivan Decker. Ivan. Hello. So nice to see you. Oh my goodness. What a kind introduction. That makes it, when you boil it down like that. You're a very impressive man. Yeah. Yeah, for about one minute. (laughs) 2022, we're here. The world did not implode. Yeah. We've come a long way in reshaping society just over the last two years. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, this is a good time. We're now, it's going to be very easy to move forward and build a better future given how terrible things have gotten. <laughs> You're very optimistic. Yeah. This is a, it's a good starting point. What gives you optimism in terms of what you've seen over the last two years? Uh, well, I just think like it's pretty easy. There's a lot of easy things we could do to get, uh, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see uh, Lysol get up to 100% uh, bacteria. <laughs> you know, they've been at 99.9 my whole life. Yeah, that's not good enough for you. I want, it's so easy. It's so, they're so close. <laughs> Mo, come on. Point one? They're very close. What kind of resources do you need to get that extra point one? Yeah. As we've learned, I think that point one is pretty important. It's very important. I, I see you spent a lot of time at home thinking about these things. Yes, yeah, I've been I've been at home. This is a you know it's been a, a obviously a weird time. Yeah, a good time if you like rules. A lot of rules, a lot of new rules that yeah. we've never had before. Yeah. So like any rules that you particularly disliked? Well, there was one that I did not uh, follow from the start. And okay. I feel bad. Conf- confess. Think, Let's hear think, it. I don't think you did it either. <laughs> oh, you're throwing it on me now. I don't, I don't even know what it is. did it. But you're the only one here. <laughs> okay. It was the arrows on the floor at the grocery store. Nobody did that. They put them down there. Yeah. Very optimistically. But uh, we were just like, no. no I legitimately no. broke those rules all the time. Yeah, right away. Because yeah. you don't shop in one pass. Who does that? <laughs> Do you own the store? Everybody, you walk by the thing you're looking for 11 times, and you're like, I got to go back. But we were so adherent to all the other rules, the masking, yeah. the vax pass, like everything else. We were pretty much in line, aside from you know yeah. a few weirdos. But this one, you're right. I don't think anyone really I think the air, there was like a little bit of shame, but like we were masked up. So it's like, you can't really catch me, you know? Dr. Henry never came out and really shamed people on that. Like, yeah, I, I think if she had come out and, and made a statement. I would like to hear what her opinion on the arrows, because I don't think the arrows was ever like, what was the official? I think a lot of storekeepers just kind of did it, but I don't think there was ever like one way at the store. Was yeah. That ever anything? I think stores had to actually provide plans for like how they were going to make the arrows. Like those were submitted and oh, they really? had to have those in. Yeah. Because some of them were just. Someone had to make a plan for the arrows. Some of the arrows were made out of masking tape. So I don't know how much planning <laughs> really went into that. They can still cut corners, but I'm sure there was a plan. <laughs> Last time that we chatted, it, it was interesting because you had just gotten engaged. You went ring shopping. You told me about that whole experience. Yeah. That's and. Great. 
you were supposed to get married, but then of course COVID, you delayed your wedding, and now are you married now? Did I you am. do it? Yes. Okay. Did it? How many times did you delay it before we delayed actually it, doing it? Uh, just once because okay. we had originally we had it planned for like summer of twenty twenty. Yeah. And so you know when things happened originally in March, we were like, ah, oh, this will be because remember at the beginning they were like. It's going to be two weeks because we all lived through swine flu and yeah. uh, whatever the other one was. Yeah. And they kept uh, telling us if we only get through flu. these two weeks. I don't know why this focused. one was not named after an animal. The, like the animal stepped in. They were like, don't get an animal involved because it was swine flu, bird flu. And then this one was just like, it's people. And it's people. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, we, we decided uh, to postpone because it was only 50 allowed. That was the kind of what came down. And we were looking at our friends like, who right. do we cut? You know, I'm not Thanos. I can't just snap and have half my friends disappear. So we were like, I want, we want to have the whole thing. So we postponed to 2021. Yeah. But then, of course, uh, it did not end. Uh, 2021 no. was even tighter. They were yes. like, you can have 10. So then we were like, we better do it or I'm not even going to be allowed to go. It's just going to be my wife and her mom and a photographer. And I'm on Zoom like, hey, cool dress. So was that kind of the thinking? You were just like, listen, this is, who knows where this is going to go. Let's just do yeah. it. So we're like, we'll just do it. We wanted to kind of, because of course, like also it's delaying all of the other parts of our future. Yes. Right? Like we want to have kids. We want to get a house. We wanted to get married first for, to start all that. Now, a lot of people just did those other things without getting married. Um, <laughs> we decided to do it in the correct order. I don't know if that's, it's not correct, but uh, we... Yeah, so we did that, and we streamed it. Uh, we got the, the very old church that my wife grew up in. Okay. They upgraded their Wi-Fi just for us. Wow. And so, so this was on Zoom. This was a Zoom wedding. Well, it was YouTube. I don't. Okay. Zoom is like I don't know why. I don't need their input. Like they watch me. I don't know. It's like I don't understand why people did it on Zoom. Like so the audience could heckle you. I, maybe it's just for that part where it's like, is anybody? object to this yeah and someone has to like use the hand raise function <laughs> like i haven't oh no i'm muted <laughs> do wait you, okay do you still have a registry for a youtube wedding then yes okay yeah, we, we sent out a registry. the obligations of the guests remain the same yeah it was great we didn't they just don't anybody. get to party <laughs> we just sent them a link and they bought us a kettle it was fantastic i love it now how is newly married life during the pandemic I imagine you're spending a lot of time at home, more time than perhaps most married couples. Yeah, would. we're definitely, I mean, because even uh, outside of married life, this is different for me because I'm normally on the road. I'm traveling all the right. time. Right. And yeah. so uh, my wife is at home and I am also at home. And I'm not used to being at home for that amount of time. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, uh, it was, it was a little tight. Yeah. You know. So she's working and you're performing in the living room or how does this well, work? Well, I have a, I have a, a room down the hall that I can like, I had like a little green screen set up and stuff, but okay. even still, like I'm yelling <laughs> my comedy. She's like on a zoom call with like serious business. They can hear me in the background. Like, I don't really like raisins. They're like, what's going on with your husband? <laughs> there was actually a moment where I, I got hired to do a, uh, corporate event for her company. Oh, really? And so I performed for them on Zoom, and then we did like a Q&A together. Because uh, a lot of times wow. I do, when I do a Zoom corporate, I'll have uh, like somebody from the company just moderate some questions. Yeah. And I can answer stuff. But then it was like, 
because it was my wife, the whole company's like, how did you guys meet? Oh, okay, yeah. Is he funny around the house? <laughs> Does he pick stuff up and he's like, oh, look at a talking spoon. Yeah, that's what it's like. Is it actually? No. Okay. <laughs> I would not be surprised if that's what I mean, it's sometimes, like. yeah. If yeah. she's in a bad mood, I got to bust out the talking spoon. Absolutely, yeah. So going back to the registry, what it, did you get any cool gifts despite it being a YouTube wedding? Yeah, I mean, some people, uh, a registry is a very difficult thing yeah. to put together. Uh, anybody who is married knows this. You have to be very careful when you're assembling a registry because you don't want to put anything too expensive on there. Right. Because people will be like, who do they think they are? And you don't want to put anything too cheap on there because you're definitely getting that. So, you know, you have to really figure out. And then there's also people who just reject the idea of a registry altogether, right? right. Usually an ant. I don't know what it is about being an ant. <laughs> makes you look at a wedding registry. They're going off registry. Yeah. You're like, oh, you yeah. have a registry? I'm just going to buy you a plate that's too big for any cupboard on earth. <laughs> that's my gift to you. I'm going to make sure one of your kitchen cabinets is slightly. I feel like you're speaking from personal experience here. Yes. Yeah, but I feel like uh, I have spoken to numerous people who've had this happen. Okay. Every aunt was like, you're probably going to need a big platter. Yeah. Now, we did get a night. It was a very nice, you know, I like the plate, but. Where is it now? It's in our uh, clothing. Oh, really? Okay. That's, that's the only, the only one that fits. <laughs> deep enough. And it's also like, who we can't entertain right now. No. So we just have, we, we did, because my wife loves entertaining, but of course, through COVID, yeah. we can't really have any parties. So now we've, when it, when this is over. We got so many dishes to put canapes on. I'm going to be rolling pigs in blankets for months. <laughs> and I have to ask you, obviously during COVID, tough to travel. I know you go back and forth between Canada and the U.S. to work. Yeah. Honeymoon, though? Can you take a honeymoon during COVID when you just got married? Uh no, we were going to go to France, but uh, we, that obviously did not happen. So we instead decided to go to uh, Port Coquitlam uh, was our... Yeah. I mean, Br Brad West has done a really good job as the mayor there. What did you see and do yeah. in Port Coquitlam? We went uh, for a little walk uh, around the <laughs> river. You know, classic honeymoon stuff. Yeah. Picnic at least? or <laughs> No, we saw a woodpecker, though. That oh, wow. Exciting. That's fantastic. I don't know if Brad had anything to do with that. Brad, if you're watching, thank you so much for that woodpecker. You sent. Honeymoon of your dreams, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it was decent. So we're still trying to put together another, yeah, another one. I mean, we were going to go to Hawaii this year, but it, like Hawaii was such a hilarious thing over the past year because they were literally like, "Don't come here." Yeah, and everybody was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna come there." <laughs> and they're like, "We're out of everything. We have no food. There's nothing here." And was like, "We're coming," and we're mad. So, last question overall, and just planning the pandemic wedding pandemic. Uh, newly married life, would you do anything differently? Do you have any advice for someone who might be in that boat? Let's see. Um, uh, I think, yeah, go ahead and do it. Like, it's fine. Because the thing was, is it was a small wedding, but even at the end of the night, I still felt like there were people I didn't get to talk to enough. Mm. And there was 10 people there. Wow. So I can't imagine, like a 150-person wedding... How do you talk to anybody? It's crazy. So I don't know. I think the advice is like, just go ahead and uh, get it over with. Now that it's done, uh, I feel like it was a good choice. Okay, good. Um, it was interesting covering everybody's face for the most expensive photographs I've ever purchased. <laughs> so that's exciting. 
<laughs> and you're still together. That's the most important yeah. part. Looking through the wedding uh, photograph book is very fun. Yeah. Like, oh, that's what my eyebrows look like. <laughs> See my wife for the first time walking down the aisle. It's just my eyebrows. <laughs> We are now in the podcast exclusive part of my chat with Ivan Decker. Ivan, thanks for sticking around. So happy to interview you again. Oh, yeah, no problem. I find it funny that we've, quote unquote, known each other for 15 years and our interactions are limited to me coming up to you after a show saying how great it was or for the last four years, me interviewing you for an Yeah, hour. I love it. Let's keep it professional. <laughs> <laughs> This is my preferred relationship. <laughs> it's it's perfect because at the re, in in reality at the core I'm just a fan, and that was originally very kind. The you know why I would come up to you and be like, yeah. you did a great job. Well, thank you very much. I'm a fan of you now. Oh, it's well, nice. oh. I get to I get to flip the script, and return the favor. I've already put your endorsement of me as marriage material on my LinkedIn. That's there. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. That's just so everyone knows. I don't know if anybody's looking for a husband on LinkedIn. <laughs> no, it's it's been very unsuccessful so far. Are you, you on any other dating sites? Exclusively a LinkedIn man? <laughs> well, you know, after your whole Bumble horror story, yes. how could I possibly be there, yeah, right? those are no good. That, um, so, so I'm going to pull back the curtain for a second. One of my tricks here in media is creating a self-sustaining economy of stories where I create some drama, someone responds to that drama, and then I write or podcast about said drama. Perfect. Usually about politics, but in your case, it was this big story, which was true. I didn't make this up, uh, that friends of mine would say that they would see you on Bumble. This happened for years. And then you really went deep. L last time you were on the show, you talked about how like you fully signed up for Bumble again just yeah, to delete I it. I tried to find it and get in there because it was linked with Facebook. It was a whole thing. Yeah. And then I was like, that's also what I've learned of like, don't link things with your Facebook. Like every, I don't know why Facebook. But isn't that good? Because then you know, it's not like you forgot which email address you linked yeah, something I guess. to. But it's like, I don't want all that. I don't like the fact that Every uh, platform now wants to be its own worse version of a thing that already exists. Like, right. you know, if you click a YouTube link in Facebook, it's always, like on your phone, it's always like, I'll open it. And you're like, no, Facebook is fine. I don't need you to just open the YouTube app. Now, nah, why don't I do it? I'll do it. Yeah. And I'll do it worse. And I'll have my own ads. And you're like, no, it's weird. It'd be like if you took a cab to the grocery store and the cab driver was like, I'll drive your cart. Too. You're like, it's fine. You don't need to come in here and push the cart. It's, like, it's fine. I'll come in and push the cart. It's going to yeah. cost you a lot more. I'm like, no, just leave. It's fine. I find Google does that with a lot of things. Like you can sign into things with your Gmail. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. Absolutely. But they're already tracking you. Like, yeah. why? Why do they need to take that more. extra step? So then they can also like have the ad revenue, I guess. I don't know. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know how it works. I don't know how computers All I know work. is social media is like uh, this weird, like I know it's bad for us because I've never ended a like social media like scroll sesh if whatever you want to call it you know like you're like on twitter or tiktok or whatever yeah doing. i never am like well that's enough social media for today and put my phone down and like maintain a calm like every time i'm done using social media it involves me like throwing my phone away from me like ah, <laughs> ah what am i doing in my life it <laughs> And I found this during the pandemic, particularly not that I was like great on social media before, but like 
I'll I'll be like, oh, I'm in bed early. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna get a good sleep. And then an hour later, I'm still looking at my phone. I'm like, what am I doing? And, yeah. it, and it's everything. It's like a YouTube rabbit hole or Twitter. Yeah. Or whatever, right? And so I get I, I get sucked in by like weird stories. Like I love like this person in history did this at this point. But it's like my recall is non-existent. Yeah. It's not like reading a book. So because I'm always like, I always have this imaginary scenario where I fall down this hole and I learn this neat thing. And then I'm like at a social event later with a monocle on like, well, did you know there was a submarine once? I never can remember it. So it's like I'm just wasting my time. But I feel like the people who actually do that and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I was reading this thing online. They'll always get it wrong. Yeah. Because then I'll Google it. And I'm like, that is not. Yeah. It, uh, like, that's not right at all. Like, you kind of got some of the things right but yeah the actual point you missed it yeah when people retell stories i mean it's just the flaw of human memory when you remember something you're not remembering the thing you're remembering the last time you remembered it each right. time you recall a memory it writes over the previous memory in real time so that's why like eyewitness testimonies are horrible and like people's recall of things are always terrible it's like there's no real truth Within our brains, unless it's been recorded. Right. So this is almost like a version of Memento that we're all living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't. You know. lie to yourself once. You've yeah. literally lied to yourself the rest of your life. Yeah. That's, uh, that's why the Mandela effect is such an interesting phenomenon. Right. Yeah. Uh, you must have, like, uh, at this point now, you must have this really great core of Vancouver fans, like myself included, of people that. Yeah. I was actually so blown away at the the turnout for my uh, my album recording. I was there. I was yeah. You came in a mask. It was great. I was so pleased at how quickly that sold out, and it really made me happy to know that even after all, because you know, there's you go through a lot of existential crises during yeah. COVID as a live performer, because you're like, do I even is this ever coming back? Do people even care about comedy anymore? Has everyone moved on to true crime only as their main? <laughs> Source of entertainment. Yeah. And so the opportunity to get to perform again for people who wanted it is great. I think it's funny that, like, you know, comedy is such a hilarious art form in that the highest aspiration is to simply be doing it for people that want it to be happening. Right. Like, so much of comedy is, like, being in a place where people didn't expect you to be there mm. or, like, they came to a comedy club, didn't know who you were specifically, were expecting a different type of comedy. Right. So when things line up, you're like, they know what I do and they are excited about it is ideal. Yeah. And I, I imagine those legions of people that have followed your career in Vancouver were, were making up the legions. crowd. There are a lot of people. What's a legion? 3,000? <laughs> At least, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was great. It was yeah. really really cool to see. Because I know, like, I I came with a big group. I don't know if I'm telling on myself here, but it was like eight of us, and they were all people that like were very familiar with your work and were like excited to see you record your album. It wasn't like there was one person in the group that was like, "I've never heard of Ivan Decker." All right, we're just going to a comedy show. Like okay. it wasn't like that. Yeah, nice. So I imagine it was like fans of yours yeah it was really yeah. great uh definitely a, a good um antidote is that the word i don't know felt good during this crazy time yeah some sort of event like that to to remind me that i should keep doing this <laughs> that's a good reminder and you should keep doing this I, i'm curious was 
with the pandemic and everything, like this must have been awful for your profession in oh, particular. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many people I know that are, thank God for like, um, like a lot of comedians are still receiving royalties from Sirius XM. I mean, they've right. kept many comedians afloat during all of this. Um, and, but I mean, the other issue that I have is even though the comedians themselves are struggling, there's also in Vancouver, there's this two pronged problem where everything's closing. Yes. All of the venues are gone. Yeah. So there's also nowhere, like there's no more comedy clubs, if you, unless you count House of Comedy out in New Westminster, but yeah. in sort of Greater Vancouver or in Vancouver proper. Is Yuck Yucks just closed forever or are they just temporary closed? Like what's yeah, going on with them? Yeah, the building it was in got sold. Okay. Right? And so uh, that's gone. Um, and Comedy Mix has been gone for comedy a while. Comedy Mix has been gone for a while. I mean, they're still there. I, like it's like, you know, when when something like get, that gets sold, I'm always like, well, a new thing will maybe open. Yeah. It's like, I walk by that hotel now and I'm like, that's just, a, what, a conference room now? Yeah. Like, there's, it's weird that they closed it and it's just like, they're not doing anything with it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better for it to be empty. Well, I guess especially during the pandemic, there's not a ton of impetus to, like, yeah. make something. I mean, right comedy now. clubs, I don't think were ever the most profitable thing you could do with a room. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a very weird model. Yes. Like, Yes, maybe it's not the like maybe bar. not the most uh, up and up model sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean before 1997, if you did stand up comedy, it was absolutely uh, organized crime <laughs> was involved. <laughs> oh man, the, if you read the history of stand up comedy, there's a, it, it like you'll never not run into the intersection of because that's a tough model. You're only open at night. Yeah, um, there's not a like. I mean, I know obviously people do get out of control and we'll talk about an incident <laughs> where something happens, <laughs> but it's like, it's not like a nightclub where people are just getting smashed, right? Yeah. So you're not selling as much booze as if it was I a mean, nightclub. some clubs try. They're I'm like, sure. There was a club uh, that used to be around and they would give away free tickets to whichever table had the highest bill in a way, as a way to like pad their customer base with the big spenders. Right. But- that is not a sustainable model because the people who drink the most are also often the most problematic for the enjoyment of the other audience. Yes. So more than once, I would go up at the end of the show to announce the winners and they would have been thrown out because they were <laughs> so drunk. They had to be ejected from the premises and nobody bothered to like line that up with the free ticket giveaway. Yeah. Be like, please come back again. That, that's a win-win for the club. Yeah. They don't have to comp those tickets. Yeah, it's true. They don't have to <laughs> refund the tickets. They left early. Yeah, I love it. I, you know, it's funny. I was listening to the last time that we did a full uh, podcast together. And usually when I have a returning guest, I just like to have it on in the background just to refresh myself of what we chatted about. That's it, extremely it, uh, diligent of you. As uh, Not diligent. Just want to make sure that I'm not bringing you the same questions no, or conversation. Very smart. <laughs> but it was at the end of 2019. We obviously had no idea that the world was going to kick all of us in the face. Wow, that was so we were so close to the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. And we were talking about you getting married in 2020 yeah. and it was it was weird to hear it because there was a lot of optimism and <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, 2020 was supposed to be my year. Like I always I made I was making fun of my wife for the whole pandemic on like how I bamboozled her. Because when we met, my stock was very high. I had just yeah. won a Juno Award. I was on Conan. 
I had a Netflix special. Yeah. So really, as far as like getting involved with Ivan Decker was concerned, it was a great time. And things looked like they were going very well. <laughs> And then 2020 happened, and it's like, hi, I am on the couch all the time, and uh, I'm going to use a lot of dishes and not wash very many. <laughs> this is what I was getting at, and you, you actually just already answered my question. It's like, I just felt bad because you were, like, I, I'm a big believer of momentum and, like, life's kind of about oh, streaks, right? Yeah. Like, you go on these hot streaks, and you got to capitalize on them when you're on them. Totally. And it's like, yeah, you were you were on this, like, amazing streak. And then the pandemic. And so how did you adapt? How did you, like, you're obviously writing still. I mean, you yeah. did make a new hour for, for the comedy album, but. it's It's been much more difficult than, because I used to do as many shows a week as possible. Yeah. So I would be on stage sometimes 11 shows a week. Yeah. Uh, and there were, there were a lot of places to do it. Now I've gone down to one maybe show a week. And and that's probably a Zoom show where you don't really get the feedback right. from an audience that you would get live. So you can't even really tell if your material is good. So I have this stable now of just like untested material that I have no clue if it's funny or not. I got to like run it by my wife's friend. Is that even in L.A.? Because you split your time between. Yeah, L.A. Um, is back so I can get up there a little bit. But there I'm not as established as I am here. And so. Right. I don't want to do all new material because if I bomb in front of people who I haven't seen before, they're just going to think I'm really bad. So there's this <laughs> other sort of game you have to play wow. if you're new to a city where like you need to do some old material to establish that you are funny. Yes. Because very rarely is a brand new joke going to be as good as a joke you've been telling of course. Yeah. for a couple of years. Sometimes, sometimes you get lucky and a piece of new material just hits like gangbusters. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it's risky, and so I'm still trying to play it smart and establish myself. And so the development of material has become extremely challenging. Um, but it, I just adapted by saying yes to any any possibility of of shows. At first, of course, everybody was like, "Shut it down. We're not doing anything." Yeah. And then I remember my first show back was uh, just for laughs. Was kind enough to have me at like a drive-in show. That okay. Was, I don't know if you remember that phase of live comedy. <laughs> Meaning, you're doing it outdoor. I seen. At drive-in theaters and people stayed in their cars. Uh, yeah. And they honked instead of laughing. Oh, wow. And it was very weird. But I was like, if this is what it is, this is what I'll do. I'll try to adapt. And and then the Zoom show stuff came around and I got a whole like sound system and a right. green screen and the lights so I could set up and make it look good. So it wasn't just like, you know, me talking into my headphones. Did you ever cheat and just run a recording? No, I do know somebody that did. Uh, I'm, I'm too afraid of getting caught. I know I'd get busted. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I know someone who he would start his set and just do some quick like crowd work. Right. To establish that he's there. there. And then he would be like, hang on a second and then duck out of frame and hit play on a tape of him wearing the same thing. Incredible. Same background. It would run, and then at the end, he would just come back and be like, ah, red shirt, liked your stuff. Like, talk to the person he talked to at the beginning. So, like, that was definitely him the whole time. Yeah. So, I know with uh, with these big, not comedy festivals, but a lot of music festivals, they'll have, like, comedians thrown in there. Yeah. But comedy never really took off doing it outdoors. Like, I did see during the pandemic, some people were 
doing outdoor comedy. You sh- yeah. Is it is it because it's not really a daytime thing or what what is why can't comedy work it in can, an outdoor setting? Kind of, but it's like you want the laughs. The sound of the laughter is is a big part of it. Right. You know, there's a basic uh as much as people say like oh I hate it when a comedian laughs at their own jokes is like they still have to be enjoying themselves. And so hearing yeah. laughter makes you laugh. That's just, it's in our reptilian brain. Sure. There's nothing that you can say. You can be like, I'm above it. I don't laugh when other people laugh. I make my own choice. No, you don't. That's why <laughs> laugh tracks are in shows and it works. Yeah. And you hearing other people laugh, being a part of that group mentality is what makes comedy so wonderful. Yeah. But it also makes it very challenging to, uh, do successfully in difficult scenarios. So outside the laughs, they disappear. They go up in the air and they don't come back. Right. You need walls, you need a ceiling for them to bounce off of. A lot of comedy clubs actually have microphones set up where when people laugh, it picks that up and pipes it back through the speakers. Oh, interesting. So people are actually hearing their own laughs come back to them digitally, sometimes amplified. Wow. Because it makes it more fun. I mean, it's not like, Laugh tracks are very dumb in sitcoms, but yes. it works at, on a psychological level. And yeah. So that's why it happens. And so that's kind of something that I've really been, like they've done studies of watching people at parties, like joke with each other. Yeah. And like most of the time, the person telling the joke will laugh first. And then someone will receive that and they'll laugh. It's very rare to have like a deadpan because if you're not in a comedy setting and someone is at a party and they're just like, yeah, and they tell like a very deadpan thing and then someone just like laughs at them, that's very weird. Yes. It's, it'd be very weird tonal yes. <laughs> thing. Like people need to know it's laughing time. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. And so, because I mean, I think where it comes from in the studies that I've read is it's, uh, it's like an anti-threat display. So like a lot of animals laugh as well, but it doesn't sound like our laughter because we are bipedal and our diaphragms are uh, sort of, it's it's a thing I don't want to really go into, but it's like, it's organized differently. So most time when animals laugh, it just sounds like panting. It's like breathiness. Right. And it's like, this is what younger mammals will do when they're wrestling to like establish, you know, this isn't actually me trying to kill you. We're just messing around. Wow. And like rats laugh, and but it's uh, supersonic, so like we can't hear it. Yeah. But there was a study that I read about rats laughing, and they uh, they found rats, that, there was rats that didn't laugh, and they found that they got bitten during like rough play way more often than the rats that. So they were traumatized. They had some issues. Yeah. Yeah. And then wow. they didn't laugh, and then that the other rats weren't able to tell that it was like fun time. And so they would attack them. You've really gone in deep with this. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of time. (laughs) I had a lot of free time during the pandemic. I thought, let's get to the core of this. Yeah. I will say, you know, it was awesome to see your performance and recording at Little Mountain Gallery. And I I will always love that venue for for what it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's really too bad that it's... It's moving. Hopefully the new space is as good as that. Yeah. But I have to say, it felt awesome to be at the Vogue at Dino Archie's show and you were headlining and just that whole lineup. And it, yeah, that felt a, like you're, you're at a real show again. Yeah. 
which I had not been to in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. A theater, I don't know what it is about like my personal style of comedy, whatever it is, but I will always prize a theater show as sort of the highest form of comedy for me to experience. Yeah. Having hearing like, you know, 1500 people laugh in a space like that and being able to sort of fill that room with your energy is uh very very cool yeah there's really nothing like it you had a guy hit the floor yeah so it was a very weird i mean i was my first show of 2022 i was like let's see how this goes yeah i just gotten over covid and i'm like i guess i you know i'm nervous i haven't done comedy in a long time i've been you know a couple of weeks yeah since i performed so i was a little nervous to like I was like I hope nothing unexpected happens and then immediately <laughs> I'm like not even halfway through my opening bit a guy passes out and like the security has to run over and like escort I'm like wow okay I guess trial by fire here yeah, we go that guy was a few seats down from me and uh, I was focused on the show he stood up and then whoever he was with this this lady was also standing up and was struggling to pull her purse from the seats, I guess. Yeah. And then in that struggle, he just like went over and like, I he was there. Like he was lied down in yeah. front of me. And I'm like, well, I, I didn't catch him. So now like, do I do anything? <laughs> yeah, it's not your fault. <laughs> I was you like, I'm gonna tell him to drink that much? No. Like I'm gonna keep enjoying the show and, and listening to Ivan. Yeah. Cause I didn't know what to do. Like I was not paying attention to him. Um, and he just, yeah, fell over. But you had a great recovery. That, that, that must be a, a jarring thing. Yeah, when, and I mean, I guess that's just, that was pure experience. Yeah. Right? You know, stuff comes out that you, obviously I didn't plan that. I don't have lines prepared for that to happen. And so <laughs> You don't have that in the mental Rolodex it of was just, and dude it was, passing out? Yeah, it was kind of nice because it's like the years you've spent performing stand-up comedy have prepared you for this moment. It's wild and unexpected and weird, yeah. but... You can handle it. Yeah. And so there's really nothing that can replace pure experience when it comes to sort of any kind of pursuit like that. And so it's it's really neat. Yeah. No, you did a great job and you, and you played off of it. And hopefully that guy's okay. But, uh, I don't care. <laughs> guy ruined my show. It's, he deserves it, I yeah, guess. I think it's, uh, it's, I have no, like, I forgive anybody for anything that happens in the first, we're all re-emerging. Like, yes. he probably hadn't drunk that much in two and a half years, yeah. right? He's so excited. Sometimes I have people like, yeah, they get too drunk at a show and it's just like, they're just And it was a, psyched. And, and I'm not saying this as a criticism at all, because I had the most fun. It was a long show. It was way longer than I expected. Yeah. Like, I think it went three hours or oh, something. Oh, yeah. And I, I knew I that I had a timesheet that I was like sent. It was like, you'll be on stage at 845. I think I got on stage at 1120. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was fantastic. But yeah, um, very, I just did not. Fun. I just did not expect it to go that long. And for because you, you see that many people on the bill and you're like, they're they're all going to do, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. Yeah. And they're all putting in like at least half an hour. Yeah. It was awesome. It was wild. But I mean, to the audience's credit, they maintained their energy because the, the fear, if you're going at the end of a show like that. It's like, oh, everybody's going to get tired. Yeah. And they're going to be. But it, it was a combination between the crowd was great, they were hyped, and the comedians were all so good. Yes. That it kept everybody, you know, there's but a I reason think, why you can watch the Avengers for three hours because <laughs> everything's, you know, it's going. But I think that's a fair worry. Like, 
when do, when are comedy shows ever three hours long? Like the hour and a half is kind of like the yeah. sweet I mean, spot, right? Some shows in like LA and New York are that long, but you're not supposed to stay for the whole thing. Right. Yeah. You, you show, show up, up for some way through, you yeah. sit down, you watch a little bit, you leave. Yeah. I didn't know that the first time I went to a comedy club in LA, I was sitting at the front and we were the like, whole time. We we're like, when do we get to go? <laughs> And then I got up to go to the bathroom. I turned around. And the room was empty. We were like the last. Wow. There were like a couple of people in my peripheral vision, but I wasn't turning around. Yeah. The show. I was watching what was happening. So I had I had not noticed that the entire room behind me had emptied out. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, these comics are doing a lot of crowd work with me. <laughs> They're really talking to me a, a lot. You got a face for crowd work. Yeah. Is it weird when you're performing and you see people wearing masks? No. No. I don't think so. I mean, it's. Uh, it muffles the laughter a little bit, which goes back to my thing about, you know, laughter needing to spread and, and be as loud as possible. But, uh, but you just see so much less of the reaction, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's I like to see people's face. But you can kind of see their heads move. That's generally like right. the crowd's usually pretty dark. And so I look for, yeah, body movement, shoulders bouncing, that kind of thing. Yeah. But if you don't see the smiles, it's, yeah, it's definitely not as good. But, of course, in the interest of everybody's safety. Whatever it takes to get people back in that room. Yeah. You know? It's all good. Happen. It's just very weird that, like, yeah, laughter and COVID-19 spread in the exact same way. So they're really not conducive to each other. <laughs> like, a comedy show is the exact opposite of what you want to do. for co- You want people as close together as possible. Yes. In a very, like, low-ceiling uh, Sharon drinks. Yes. Like really a lot of droplets flying around. Yeah. And so even when they, that airborne energy, he wanted. Yeah. Like there were a few comedy clubs I did in like summer of 2021 where it was like, they're open, but everybody's like really spread out. Yeah. It's weird. Which you're like that. This there's no, it's like you're playing to individual tables. Like you want everybody as tight in as possible. So hopefully this all ends soon. And, I think it'll be pretty exciting when. Now you you already mentioned this. You got COVID. I did. Yeah. You I survived. Tested, I tested positive uh, over New Year's. I was supposed to go to Iowa. I feel so bad. I had to bail on the club because I can't. Like I couldn't get on a plane because you yeah. have to get a COVID test to to fly. Now the problem was I. It was during the time that it was like you, you can't go to the doctor. So I just had a PCR, like a rapid test, right? Yeah. Uh, that showed positive, but I never went and got the. Uh, or I never got the PCR. The rapid test is the antigen test. Yeah. Let's get those mixed up. But uh, I wa- I wish I had gone to the doctor because now uh, for 180 days after you have COVID, you don't have to pay for a test across the border, which would save me so much money. Oh, so you're not officially in the system as so a I'm COVID case. I'm not officially case. in the system as a COVID case, so I still now have to go and get COVID. So when I went back to LA in January, I still had to go and get the tests to go back. But I didn't show, because the the issue they have is like, you might show up as positive if you'd get a PCR test, but mm. I didn't. So I guess I'm just the best. <laughs> so now that you are recovered and, and clearly not too affected by it, being vaxxed, I should add, uh, are you one of those people that are like, it's not a big deal, just open everything up? No, I, I think it's a big deal. Obviously, anything that causes a strain on our healthcare system should be taken seriously. Yeah. You know? It's not about whether or not it's like if people are in the hospital bed when you need to be in that hospital bed, that's not a good thing. Now, yeah. I am wondering why 
there wasn't any kind of expansion to the healthcare facilities. That's a good question. Across the globe, they spent a lot of money, but they didn't do spent that. A lot of money on like, <laughs> but it's like nobody built a new hospital. No, we didn't get even a, a couple of new beds. Yeah, like I guess they all were like, we gotta ease the strain. They did a lot of other stuff. I mean, obviously, I don't know anything about that. I'm sure it's very expensive to build a hospital. I know they're working on the new St. Paul's, but it's like. Yeah. You know. I mean, it, I'm, and I'm not. Like during I, polio, there was all these polio hospitals. Yeah. All these iron lungs set up. And you they should have been, they should have been building capacity. I think part of it also was just keeping nurses and yeah. doctors working. Well, yeah, too, of course. Right? Like, That's the other thing. Uh, so you could build all these new hospitals, but do you have the people to fill them? And I'm not, that is not a reason to not build hospitals, but. Well, I, I think it is one of the main ones of why. Probably, if uh, yeah, if I looked into it, I and, and I asked that question a bit a bit flippantly because I just find that you start to see on social media like people are like I got COVID and I was fine. This is a yeah. pandemic or whatever, and and you you hit the nail on the head where it's like yeah, it's not about whether you will survive or not. It's about hospital capacity and making sure that our institutions yeah. are, are still yeah, up know, and running. Like it's it's very funny. It's like when people say like I'm off the grid. <laughs> And it's like, what if you break your leg in the woods? You're going to be, I bet you're going to be calling the grid pretty quick. Yeah. You're going to be like, God, grid, come get me. <laughs> I broke my knee. Are you really off the grid if you still have access to the grid? No, if you have a truck. Everybody's <laughs> off the grid. It's like, you have a truck, you have a house, you have a gun. Like all these things were built by very large numbers of people who are all involved in the grid. Yeah. You're not off the grid unless you're hitting squirrels with a rock. And yeah. eating them on your own. But even then, you know, if you're watching TV, if you're on social media, like, I like people who are off the grid, but they're still like on Twitter. Yeah. Or they're posting the photos on Instagram. Yeah. 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 Here I am off the grid. <laughs> Location tag. Oh, man. This was uh, a pleasure. It's always nice to chat with you. Yeah. I hope to see more of your shows this year. I hope things do turn around and we do start. And things are open, but like I just hope yes, know, more yeah. normalcy. The big one more shows. Uh, in April, there is a Coast to Coast tour just for laughs is putting together. Uh, nice. That I'm really hoping sort of lines up with the end of all of this. Um, it's hosted by Rick Mercer, um, and we're going to be in, I think, like 15 to 20 cities across Canada. Cool. Uh, we'll be at the Orpheum here in Vancouver, so... I really hope everybody. Who's on that bill? That. Aside from you, it's, Rick Mercer, oh, myself, Rick Mercer, uh, Dave Merhej, and Iman El Husseini, like all incredibly nice. funny comedians, and it's really going to be a special tour, I think. Because yeah, it's like first one back. Give everybody an excuse to come out and see comedy. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything goes smoothly, and we'll be at full capacity for those shows. I hope so. And if they are, they're going to be pretty special. <laughs> well, I look forward to that, Ivan. Thanks so much. No problem. Folks, that's our podcast. If you haven't already, find his special on Netflix. It's on Netflix's Comedians of the World. Also, go listen to his album, I Wanted to Be a Dinosaur, and make sure you see him live whenever you get a chance. He's one of the best dang comedians in Canada. He is Ivan Decker, and I am Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. Peace. <laughs>